Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, un- like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by Jane, and I had to get Jane back on the show because Jane had such a fantastic uh, reception with our listeners that we had to get her on and kind of just find out a little bit more about this whole abduction thing. And she is obviously one of the best in the world to give us that information firsthand. Jane, welcome back. Thanks, Kate. Nice to speak to you again. It is great to have you on again. And uh, something that the uh, listeners probably don't know, but we're, we're, we're quite friendly with each other. We uh, we seem to enjoy the conversations that we have. For sure. I wouldn't open up to you as I had if I didn't like you. Well, take that, everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so you're easy to speak to. So thank you for that. It's lovely. It's lovely. So, Jane, last time we had you on, we uh, we learnt about your, um, uh, your, your hybrid breeding that you've been uh, a part of there, which is quite controversial, quite eye-opening, especially for myself, because some of the information that you kind of gave us with the, uh, especially within the medical fields and how, I guess, open people are with the knowledge that this stuff is is happening really, really blew my mind. And it's been something that's just sat with me for the, for the longest time that I really just, anytime I drive past a hospital or something that is a medical clinic, I'm kind of thinking... Is there more going on in those places than than I'm thinking is actually happening? And that's something that I'm never really going to shake. And uh, essentially, that's that's all because of the, the information that you've supplied, which is so eye-opening. And, I mean, how, how do you go on just knowing that this type of stuff is happening? Well, the truth is really the only way to live. Um, and I guess I, I bat on, even knowing some people ridiculing it, because... I know it's true and because there is so much more to this story than I could tell you and probably that all of the abductee experiences could tell you. Um, But it is going on and reality might suck sometimes but we have to live within it 
So how I go on is, I guess, it falls within my moral standards for myself, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things that we really didn't get a chance to to talk about because I was kind of engrossed with everything else that we we're, that we're really <laughs> talking about was um, what's the actual abduction process like? Because I can imagine this would have been quite a terrifying thing the first time that it was happening to you. And um, you, you've obviously been abducted multiple times. Um, are you able to kind of walk me through that process step by step in, in the best way that you can? Sure. But would you like me just, just to give you a bit of historical background for those that don't know anything first? Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Okay. So just a quick rundown. I know some people listening will already know this, but my understanding of what is going on is that this particular breathing experiment started with, in 1947, after Roswell, Eisenhower made a contract with the Greys to supply some humans in exchange for alien technology. And I understand that it went a lot further than the contract, and there are now lots and lots of us. And I also, it appears to me in my observation, that's the only way I can put it, that the first group were all junior um armed forces officers, a lot of them from the UK, and that we're now in the fourth generation of the experiment. So that's that means humalians walking amongst us for sure, even if they don't know themselves, four generations down. And also you can't tell me things like people like my heritage and ancestry don't know about alien DNA with all the DNA tests that they're doing. So that's just the, the background. And then the purpose of it is that this, partic- this particular group of aliens, so I, I know there are lots of planets and lots of groups of aliens, but the greys, as we call them, couldn't. their planet died off for some reason and they needed to find somewhere else to live. And they couldn't quite live in our environment. So the only way they could come to this beautiful planet and share it with us is to... Um, interbreed, but they, they did it medically appropriately. We're not talking weird stuff. Um, and a lot of that technology has, of course, been passed on to humans. So um, I think there's probably, I don't know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of us all over the planet. Um, my biological father was a junior officer in Iceland in the late 40s, I understand. I didn't grow up with him so I didn't know him that's the history of it and he was obviously on that list of, of people that were donated to grow, the grey research program which is pretty horrible if you think about it and I can think of a lot of negatives if I want to go down that path but I try and focus on the positives not just as a way of coping but because the grey people genuinely were nice to me and I've come to love them as I've gone to know them so then um in my memory, I was a toddler in a cot and the, the man I called Grandpa Graham or, or Graham sometimes, I'd, I was awake. My mother was in a bed beside me. I could see her, but I was in, in my like, painted cot. It's that clear to me. And Grandpa Graham was standing at the end of my cot put with his arms out and I walked over to him and let him pick me up. Um, if you think about it, a child would go... I'd obviously seen him before. He seemed to know me, but that's my first memory. So how old were you when that happened? Well, under two. Oh, wow. And you remember that? I remember. I remember this so clearly. I've had dreams about it all my life. It just stuck in my mind. 
Uh, and all through my childhood, I have, would have dreams of the man with cow eyes, I would call him in my child mind. Um, and of course, they're much bigger than cow eyes, but they're gentle and dark and, and loving. They're not, they're not scary at all for, to a child, anyway. So he would pick me up, and then we would float up in a tunnel of white light. You've got to remember that it's impossible to find English words to describe something that we don't have. There are no nouns for it. There are no names for it. There are no adjectives for it. So I'm just doing the best I can. But in this tunnel of white light, I could see like brick pattern dashes of light floating around me getting faster and faster until they were a blur of light. And it felt like I was in water, but I was breathing. So that was the density of it. And that I was floating up. Now, you've got to remember this is an adult looking back to. I'm sure I didn't think all these things as a child. It just happened. Um, and I'd float up with Graham holding me and I'm sitting on his right hip and he's got his arm around me and I've got my little hands around his neck and I'm not frightened at all. And we float up and then we just step out of the light tunnel, the light elevator, onto a surface, you know, and then it cl the floor closes behind us. So then we're standing on um, the floor of a spaceship. So then he just sits me on a floating table that hasn't got any legs, so a levitating bench. And I'm laying there, cold, but otherwise quite happy. And he f passes his hand over my abdomen, over my whole body, and in the air above me is what I now know as a hologram. But as a child, I just saw these funny things floating down the air. So a hologram of my internal organs with my adult mind looking back. Um, and then that just disappeared and then in my left elbow, in the crook of my left elbow he put his hand and there may have been something in his hand but I didn't see that and I felt a pulling so and I now believe he was taking my blood but it wasn't a needle, I didn't feel a prick, it wasn't painful I just felt it sucking um, and again looking back I understand that they were just looking at my organs, testing my blood to see a baseline, I guess. Or maybe they'd done it before and they were following up, just like a, an experiment on Earth. I don't know, because that's my first memory. And then he picked me up. I cuddled him. He stepped out into the, the light tunnel again, and we floated right down, and there we were, back beside my cot. And he put me back in my cot, and I lay down and went to sleep. And to a baby who's, you know, if your grandfather picks you up and takes you into a car and takes you to a drive to the beach, which you've never seen before, you just go. Yeah, of course. So it was really no different to that. Yeah, wow. So when you went into this beam of light, it's, I'm presuming it's taking you through the roof. It's taking you through solid objects. Is that is that a safe assumption? That's true. But I wasn't aware of that, what was going on until I was an, an adult. So you're right, you've got that. And if I, if I add that bit, I remember I, my first clear memory of that, I was like in my early 20s but by the time I worked out what I was doing. Um, so, yeah, this light beam seems to pass through solid objects. We don't change. Our body doesn't change. But the physical objects do. And I don't know how they do it. It's obviously technology. It's not magic. I don't understand it, but I saw the effects of it. So, yeah, so we, we passed up through the ceiling. So in a later experience of that, I remember 
floating up through the ceiling without Graham holding me, um, laying down because I'd floated up off the bed, going through the ceiling, sneezing, seeing cockroaches. So I had a physical <laughs> response to what was there. So you could actually <laughs> see into whatever you were passing through? Yes. Wow. So, you know, and, and to sneeze, it's not a hallucination, is it? If I'm having a physical response to it. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, and I also remember another time coming back from a visit and coming to an, uh, the spaceship landing in the backyard, basically, and standing in front of the back door, and it was locked. So I was locked out. And Graham said, walk through it. And I went, no, I can't walk through it. And he said, oh, you can. And he held me a step through together. So he said, yeah, apparently you just forget. Anyway, so, and then he stepped back through and I was back home. And by the time I got through two rooms to the bottom of the stairs in a two-story building, I'd forgotten it had happened until the next morning. And I remember going, click. Oh, what am I doing down here? I must have gone to the bathroom. And then walking back up the stairs and going back to bed. So they, also, they do do something to our memory. There's no question. But I think it's like sedation that we do, like a light anesthetic. Okay, because that's what, that's what my question was going to be. Is, is it kind of like when you, you go under for an operation or something like that, where you just kind of you, you just lose track of the time and you lose track of where you are type of thing? Well, yes and no. Um, it feels like um, midazolam or hypnovel is a brand name drug, and I've mentioned that many times when I've, I've spoken, um, which is a light anesthetic. You're not fully unconscious. You're still breathing. You're cooperative. Someone can say, walk here, walk there, and you just do. And an anaesthetist once told me, at a dinner party of all things, you know, at his place, that before this drug was on the market, that um, they were about to bring out this new light anaesthetic that had been developed in the Cold War as a truth serum to make soldiers tell the truth. Well, that's about the time the alien stuff started too. And he said to me, and, and I've had doctors and say uh, professors, not just junior doctors, say these things to me, many, many times, and he just said it was developed by the aliens. And I just, I didn't bat an eyelid because it was just so normal in that environment. So it possibly is that drug, but that's that's the best I can give you. So you, you may or may not remember some, depending on the dose they give, they give you at the time. Yeah, right. So do you think there's a reason that you're remembering more than maybe some other people might be? Well, I think, <laughs> I think I'm a strong personality. So even if my body has been weakened, my soul is really strong. I think that's one aspect. Another one is um, I loved Grandpa Graham. Love is not something you can fake. It's not something you can imagine. It's not something you can make up a story about. So I remembered the love for Grandpa Graham. And then later on, I remembered my children. I've got a maternal instinct. I don't want my earth children to be part of this only because I want to protect them on earth you know obviously I adore them but I also have three humanian children and a granddaughter and so my love for them it's like I am not going to forget these children I'm not I'm not I'm not so I fight through it I think that's a part a big part of it plus I have a, a really good memory for detail god knows why but I just do put me in a room and I remember every detail like Observa- power of observation is really good. Like I might not remember the time or the distance or you know numerical stuff, but I completely remember every detail of visuals. So I guess personality is part of it. 
love is part of it, maternal instinct's part of it, and also my desire to learn. It's like, well, what are you doing? And I asked to ask a billion questions and I have to understand. And I can cope with trauma if I understand, whereas I can't cope if I don't understand. So it's just all those things combined, I think. Absolutely. And I think being strong-willed is definitely one of those things that will just keep your keep your mind constantly fresh and constantly looking for those answers that you're that you are looking for yep that's right and i haven't found them all either you know i know there's lots of the story that i don't recall you know there are but the snippets that i do remember are enough to make the story make sense in my mind enough to help me cope so even since i wrote my book a few years ago i've remembered a lot more you know if i stop and think I can remember more details of that particular incident. So, I don't know. But also, the other thing is that there are other people out there that remember things. They just haven't been game to speak for the, you know, the obvious, not wanting to be called a nutter by people who don't believe it. Absolutely, because, I mean, to, to come out and say something like this, you'd have to be incredibly brave to, to face the, ultimately, the backlash that will come from saying something like that. Yeah, and there is backlash. But if something's worthwhile to you and something is important enough, you'll just suck it up. Now, it, it takes guts, and I feel sick doing it in public, not one-on-one. And, you know, my friends are good enough. They, they believe me. Um, it's hard. It's really hard, but it's right. It's the right thing to do. And, you know, even since I first came out, which was totally an accident, I didn't intend for that to happen, the number of people that come to me every single week that find me somehow, I'm not out there easily found, um, and come to me and basically go, me too, me too, I just needed to speak to you and tell you my story. And all they need from me is to be believed. And so there are a lot of people that remember a lot of things, they just haven't said it. Do you think regression would help those people remember things that they may not want to remember? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, not really for it, for for starters, you need somebody who's incredibly well qualified because it is a psychological trauma um, and there is a certain amount of PTSD involved and you've got to know how to handle that. So I don't think there's anybody out there. Maybe jo- that Dr. John Mack, but he's dead. He was qualified to do it. But there doesn't seem to be anybody else out there qualified. And one of the biggest problems that I would have with, with regression therapy is you have to have this absolute complete trust in this person above anyone else, that they're not going to try and plant some type of uh, pre-programmed idea that they have into, exactly. into your memories. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they don't have to try and plant it. They just have to suggest that, oh, no, it's not that way. It's it's this way. And that, of course, has, has happened to me. I've had lots of people in the UFO community go, no, 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 that's not what happened. This is what happened. And I go, well, were you there? <laughs> and that's that's one of, that's the best reply that you can do for anyone like that because I always say to these people who say you know do you think that really happened do you think it didn't happen is and I said well I wasn't there it's not for me to say that this person's encounter didn't happen the exact way it happened because this is their encounter it's not mine yeah, but apart from that you know as I keep saying you can't make up the emotions around it you can't make up the trauma around it you can't make up the love you know and and I remember Grandpa Graham because I love Grandpa Graham. I remember my children because I had that maternal love bond with my children. And the rest is fighting to keep those memories. So, Jane, I want to I want to touch on something that you said there a little bit earlier. And that was, you said your grandfather got taken uh, way, way back in the day there. Do you think there was a reason that he was selected? Or do you think that was just 
dumb luck? Um, no, I think I said I thought my grandfather was one, um, and I'm sure that my father was one, my, my, but I, I don't have any stories about my grandfather being taken. It was just just something implied. There was some, some sort of understanding between us. So I think he was just silent about it. Um, but as for where we selected, well, if you go back to, I think I've got it from both sides, my mother's side and my father's side, now that I dug around a bit further. Um, I didn't know any of that in the beginning uh, because, you know, I just kept it all to myself. But now I realise, and unfortunately those people are dead, so I can't ask any more questions. <laughs> but I remember th certain things being said. Um, and it's also possible that my, my maternal great-uncle was one, was taken. So as for me being selected, well, I'm already down the chain here. So when I asked Graham why me... He, he showed me an, an image of DNA, and DNA was only discovered in my lifetime, so I saw that before it came out for us. And he said, here, red dot on in this picture of this double helix. And I had no idea what I was being shown. None. It's this, it's this. So my only translation of that now is there's something on your DNA that they want. But whether that's because they put it there, or, and then I've inherited from both my father and my grandfather on the other side and then they've, added, they've spliced in a bit more grey DNA but I think it's just that there are certain traits that they like and, and then we inherit. So back to, to the DNA thing, two greys, DNA is a genetic library. So every single thing that they've learnt, all of them have learnt, not just one person, remains on their DNA and then they pass that down to their ancestors. Which I so, think is absolutely incredible, by the way. Yeah, so, and how can I know that without being told? So to, be, to get some grey DNA means to get their memories, to get their learning and to pass that on to the next generation. So, you know, I've got certain traits that seem to go with being an abductee, one of them being psychic and seeing auras and I can... Um, speak te uh, telepathy with some people you know it's just things like that lots of paranormal things that go with it um they're normal cultural traits for the greys oh right so you're you're getting i guess those genetic markers within your own your own dna at the moment that's right so i then pass it on to my children and grandchildren and again i don't want to i don't want my alive children on earth to have any problems but yes there's experiences in both generations after me. Because that's going to be another line of question that I do have for you is, one, how does your, your family react to, you know, you you coming out and, and you know, revealing these things to them? And and two, do you, do you worry for them to, to go down that same path? And now a quick word from our sponsor. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? 
You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Absolutely, which is why I'm not not giving personal details about my children and grandchildren. Um, I just give general stories. Okay, well, there's two advances to that. The family, my the family I grew up in, thinks it's just ridiculous. They don't. My father's straight down the line Catholic. No, there's no life on other planets. It's only us. God made us in His image, and there are no other life. So you know that's just there. And then my siblings just think it's ridiculous, but they don't believe in anything. They barely believe in God, and they certainly don't believe in aliens or ghosts. But my children had experiences when they were younger, and now they're adult men. And one of one of them in particular um, is a story that's in my book. So um, I give my hundred percent of my book is true, except I've changed the names, which I think is fair. Yeah. So one of the kids in my book <laughs> now an adult man. Um, one night the whole family, so my ex-husband and my two sons, uh, were outside. In fact, my ex-husband called us out because he could see something and he said, come out here and have a look at this. So I went out and there were, there were five red spaceships right up really, really close, red lit. So I called the boys out. Nobody's frightened. Everyone just thinks this is very exciting. And we're standing there for a good 10 or 15 minutes watching five spaceships within... I know, I told you I'm not good with distance, but within, um, from one side of the street to the other, away in the air. So really close. Oh, yeah, that is really close. Yeah. And, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to go, and then they just fly off. And then we're all inside talking about it. And then everyone just forgets about it, and the kids go to bed. And the next morning, one of my children comes downstairs and says, Mum, Mum, I went to visit the aliens last night, and there were children there, and we played, and can I bring them home for dinner? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh, I just had a dream about it because we saw the ships. And then, and I said, yeah, yeah, sure, darling. What, you know, what do you want me to cook? And he said, I don't know. Do aliens eat spag bowl? <laughs> okay, darling. So it was just, I was humoring him. He was just a little kid. Um, but I now look back at that story and think, hang on, the ships were there the night before. It was in the local paper the next day that they'd been sighted by a lot of people. I think this boy, I've just got to be careful not to say his name, did actually go that night because he was just too clear about it all. Yeah, there's there's too many common elements that you would recognise from a story in there. That's right. And don't forget, I've been there too. So it was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and now one of my grandchildren um, totally, so I've said that my family grew up in doesn't believe it, but she just totally believes it. She loves my book. She thinks it's awesome. <laughs> and she sees them all too. So, you know, it's definitely in every generation. It may not be every person in every generation, but there's one in each generation. And I can go back. So I can go back to my great-grandfather, who I didn't know, but he was also um, an army person. Yeah, right. So there is that common element there, so that's isn't there? actually five generations, yeah. But I haven't spoken to him, so I'm only saying four because of the ones I've spoken to. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting because there definitely seems to be a, a line of lineage there, really, doesn't there? And it would make sense that, you know, it, it would go f- as far forward as it could and obviously continue on as far as they could continue doing this. Yes. And, uh, you know, a bit more detail about the why. Um this is a beautiful planet 
And I don't think that we appreciate what we've got here. You know, we do have a lot of resources and it's beautiful to look at and we've got water and all the, the elements that are needed. Um, so why wouldn't someone want to live here? But they don't want to take over, they want to share it. However, the environment, they can come here for a couple of hours, but after that they get sick. And they do it at night because they can't cope with the heat or the, the sun's rays. So what I've noticed over time, and is a cumulative observation, is that they feel cooler, much cooler than us, so their body temperature normally is much lower. So they, they'd overheat here during the day really fast. Their breathing is so slow and so shallow, because I've really looked, that it's all, at first you might think they're not breathing, but if you look, they are. It's just not very easy to discern movement. So they're just breathing slowly and shallowly and in, out, in, out like us. Um, and then I actually felt their pulse because I wanted to, because I asked to, and Graham's pulse is really slow, whereas oh, I would right. expect with all of that for it to be really fast because they're little yeah. and children's pulses are faster. So it wasn't what I expected. So if I was imagining it, I would have put it at a fast pulse rate. Yeah, because uh, that's that's kind of how I would imagine it too. You know, you've got the slow breathing, you've got the, the, the shallow breaths and just them kind of being, I guess, a little bit smaller as well. You would you would imagine that would just go hand in hand. Exactly. But no, it's slow. So obviously their entire metabolism is much slower than ours and um, also where they live is quite dark, so that, hence the big eyes are just adapted to the environment. Um, obviously lower gravity, so they've got long arms and legs and uh, feet and hands and skinny bodies, or skinny to us, normal to them. So it really just is about environment. And so if, imagine mixing, um, and we're in Australia, so an Aboriginal woman and, and an English man and obviously having mixed race children, um, but they're going to get some traits from both sides. They're going to get some culture from both sides. That's just how it works when you breed. Well, and they adapt to the environment. So they could probably, a half Aboriginal child could usually fit into either culture. Well, it's exactly the same for the greys. I mean, people that have grey blood in them are going to be better suited to living in the environment on Earth. So that's something that you said earlier there, is that you said that there is hybrids living here. Humalians living in, I, well, I wouldn't, maybe Australia. I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but you're saying they're living here on Earth. Well, think about it. I'm one. If I have grey DNA, I'm human, obviously. I've human parents, born on Earth, grew up on Earth. But if I've got grey DNA in me, what am I? No, that's fair. I'm part grey. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and if each generation is more grey than the one before, of course there are. But this Humalian is just a made up word. I made it up before it. You should copyright it because it's a really great word. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken off, but um, it doesn't matter. I mean, I call them hybrids, but I just thought hybrids sounded awful for humans, for people. So so my granddaughter and I sat down and made that word up. So um, it was just softer, you know? Yeah, no, I do like it. It's, uh, it's much nicer. Well, even aliens are a bit ridiculous. I mean, we're aliens to them, they are to us, but... We just don't have any other words, like I said before. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it all depends on the perspective of uh, what side you're looking at is how you can describe that. Yep. But they're people. We're people. They've got a body and a soul. We've got a body and a soul. And we're really actually the same on the inside. So as I keep keep saying the greys are no different to two different races on Earth. So an Asian 
woman, a Negro man and an English, whatever, child are all going to be completely different. Um, but we're all human. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand I don't understand mean great human, but they're still human-like. They're a being. Yeah, well, but like I said, body, soul, culture, love, they seem like us to me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just the physical, physical form is different. Yeah, and that's environment, which is what I was trying to explain. Absolutely, and that's and that's just evolution. That's just how that works. It is. So, one thing that you um you did touch on there a little bit earlier is that you said that this is all done um in a in a peaceful way. Like there's there's nothing negative about it um, because I don't oh, know. There's plenty negative about it. it. It challenges my morals and my integrity. And, and it leaves me with a lot of questions. But that we do experiments on on humans, on animals, um, and they're doing the best they can. They are very kind and gentle, and they ask permission before they do anything. And, like, I remember lying on a table being cold and in pain because I was doing something to my reproductive organs. And um, go, oh, God, that hurts. And Graham is stroking in my, my left arm. I remember details of where he was standing lovingly just stroking it going do you want us to stop and he put a blanket over me and I mean it wasn't a blanket it was some sort of fabric but you know obviously meaning to be a blanket so that they are kind and caring and positive and loving but that's the individuals as well and I got lucky that I got Grandpa Graham I'm sure of that yeah yeah and and this is something that I've, I've been wanting to ask you for a long time because I um I just recently spoke to a gentleman by the name of um John Sumple and he directed this movie called uh the the seating which is which is all about um women and men in a very similar situation that you're in but one of the the common traits that i noticed that all these abductees who were selected for these um breeding programs they were all taken by um lizard type beings which which seem to be very forceful in in the the way that they go about it and uh, it's it's absolutely not enjoyable for for anyone involved because it, it kind of has this this very um, aggressive and uh, dangerous form of doing what they're trying to do. Uh, oh, yeah, I've heard some stories like that too. Yeah, and I've, I noticed that this these stories don't come from your experiences at all. And it, oh, you're, no. you're saying no. this is could be your lucky, or is it just a maybe these greys just take a completely more um, I guess a, a more, I don't want to say appropriate approach to it because, I mean, they're, they're obviously doing some things that may be very questionable, but they're not doing it in a way that is belittling to anyone. No. Well, first of all, we're obviously talking about two different races from two different planets with two different cultures. Even if they're both doing breeding experiments, they're not the same people. Um, I have not had any of these lizard-like experiences at all. Um, so I think the greys, I've actually met quite a few of them now. It's just that the only one I know by name is Grandpa Graham and my, and my own children. And they are very calm, gentle, peaceful race. There's just no question. They have a clear culture. They have families. They have jobs. Um, they have a point system, not a monetary system. But, you know, there's obviously order to this culture and the, um but, but uh, everybody can't have Grandpa Graham's DNA when there's possibly hundreds of thousands on us on Earth, because otherwise it would all mix and end up with abnormalities. So, 
I'm in a group that started as children together and I think there might only be about 20 of us just from memory from the groups that I saw. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, and we've all got Grandpa Graham's DNA, so we mightn't be related on Earth, but we're related by him. Um, and I've actually met four of them, and either they remember me clearly or I remember them clearly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I mean, I've worked it out as we've gone along, and and the pieces of the jigsaw have fallen into place. So they are a nice race, but I still got lucky. Grandpa Graham was just the most beautiful man, and I love him like a grandpa and it's all terribly appropriate and he was kind to me and we had a very human relationship very family relationship how often do you still get taken by the grace yeah. a couple of weeks ago since i last spoke to you oh really um yeah but i i didn't get that far what happened was i fell asleep on the lounge we've deviated here but we'll do it um in the afternoon about two o'clock and then I woke up about three foot off the lounge in the air and opened my eyes and screamed, <laughs> not because I was scared, but because I was startled. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Grandpa Graham. It was another person that was taking me and he didn't know me. <laughs> and it was like, and he dropped me and I actually injured my ankle. Oh, no. <laughs> and disappeared. And it's like, no, no, I want to go. I want to go. Just don't frighten me like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really waiting for him to come back. But then I thought about it and went, but Graham would have known. <laughs> it was like I saw a snake and screamed or I saw a cockroach and screamed. I woke up in the middle of the air. Wouldn't you scream? Oh, absolutely you would. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been begging them to take me not sedated so that I remember every detail. And I think that's what happened. They waited until I was asleep, took me. I woke up before we even got in the ship and couldn't, couldn't cope because I wasn't sedated. But I would have coped if they'd just given me a minute to get myself together. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? If they're listening, come on, guys. I know. I'm sure they're listening. Um, through Because we all have a tracking Im- implant. And so when we start to talk about them, they listen, believe me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like knock on the door or invite me. Ask me to come again in the ship and you just won't have a problem with me. But if you're going to do that to me, I'm going to bloody scream. <laughs> <laughs> just send a nice invite first. <laughs> It's startled, not frightened. Big difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it goes on throughout your whole life. As for how often, I can't tell you because it's random to me, but I'm sure they've got an organised research program and they do the same groups at the same time. And I've also noticed that um, in certain areas, there are a lot of sh- sightings of UFOs and those taking experiences are, are all together in a group and then they might go somewhere else to another country. You know, the internet's helped with that sort of thing and, and people telling me about their, their sightings or their experiences. So it's clearly a terribly organised experiment. <laughs> and they've got groups and groups of DNA and the person that's donated the DNA is head of that group. And then the reason Grandpa Graham didn't come last time is because he's getting old and frail and he can't do the travelling anymore. So he sent someone else that didn't know me and that didn't work. <laughs> So, you know, it's not random, but it appears to be random if you want to know when will they take me next. I have no idea. And actually, that raises a question there is when they do come and take you, do you find that there is more UFO sightings going on around your area? Absolutely. And in fact, it's better than that. I get black helicopters hover over my roof. Really? Um, and Yes. And I was one night, it was the middle of the night. It was there for like 15, 20 minutes. I got so sick of it. I went out the backyard, turned the lights on. 
This is not me. I stuck my finger up at them. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not me. And they took off. And they were humans, like army people or, or black unmarked helicopters, so wherever they come from. Um, that is consistent. Whenever the spaceships are around, so are black helicopters. And the other thing that happens when I'm taken is I'm quite often followed by a black van with blacked up windows and funny antennas on it. And there was one part... I live in, in a block of four, so there's, not, there's a house between me and the street, but I was meeting with some girlfriends and we were all going off to a, a UFO talk, believe it or not, and so I was down at the end of the driveway and there was this van. I went, no, not again. So I walked up to them quite bravely and they took off. Do you get that so, quite frequently? Because I would, yes. put, I would put this as, like, I guess the, the easiest term to say, like, this might be uh, MIB type of encounter, men in black type of thing, government surveillance. Um, so do you find they constantly follow you? Well, not constantly, but at the same time as I'm taken. When I'm having experiences, when I'm seeing a lot of UFOs, they're around too. How, how do they know you're being taken? So there, there surely has to be some well, type of know. surveillance going know, on there. I don't know, but they do. And I can only guess, again, it's technology. I have a tracking implant behind my left ear. Um, it's my third one, as, as you probably know, so I'm certain it is. It's a mechanical technological tool and if aliens can track it maybe humans can too it's really interesting so it's it's you know if you stop and think it is quite logical but it's annoying sometimes and you know years ago my life was threatened that's a whole chapter in my book but um they don't threaten my life anymore they just take off when i walk up to them do you you feel more empowered by that now well i feel well the story, did I tell you last time, the story about when they tried to, a human tried to kill me about it all? No, all. not at all. All right, well, I'll tell you that after I say this. I feel totally protected. It's like, bugger off humans. I'm sorry about the language. Um, Grandpa Graham will come and get you if you yeah. don't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> don't make me it's call like the big guy. Mafia. <laughs> a grey mafia. But anyway, so this particular time was 20 years ago. Nevertheless, it happened, and I'd been followed by, well, a very, an older-style beige sedan, you know? I think it was light grey, but that sort of nondescript colour. And I got the number plate because I saw it so many times, so I rang the police, and they hung up and rang me back and said, we can't do anything because it's registered to a PI, but, and they wouldn't discuss it anymore. It wasn't a PI, it was government, I'm sure it was, but that's what they told me. Um... So that happened. My landline phone was tapped and I got Telstra out. Um, and the technician said, come here, I want to show you. And he showed me the wires and where one had been cut. And he said, there's been a bug put in there. Oh, wow. And I said, will you put that in writing? And he said, no. But I'm making sure that you know about it. It was before mobile phones. Otherwise, I would have taken, or well, before photos on mobile phones, um, taken photographs but anyway that happened and then one night my dog barked and barked and barked and she never did that and so I went to look out the back to see what she was barking at and through double glass sliding doors I could see a big ball of white light hanging over my backyard so it looked like a full moon up close but with no markings on it and I knew who it was and what it was so I waved and I wanted to go out there and I tried to go out and open the door and then I felt sedated and I felt, go back to bed. And so I went back to bed and went back to sleep. And my habit would have been 
even if I get up to go to the loo, check on my children. I didn't check on my children. I just went back to bed and back to sleep. And in the morning, I didn't remember until on the radio, on 2WSFM, it was then. Um, it was at, anyway, <laughs> the, the memory comes flooding back to me when I tell the story. It's just so clear. Anyway, so on the radio, Hans Torv was the announcer, and he said, There's just been a human body found behind such and such an address, and it was lasered like the aliens do cow mutilations. Oh, really? On the freaking radio. Wow. On my way to work. And so then it all comes flooding back to me. That was my trigger, what had happened the night before. So I get to work, and bizarrely, I'm working for a drug company. <laughs> <laughs> it's all mixed up. <laughs> and <clears throat> I ring the police, and I say, listen, I know something that I know a lot about what happened last night. I can tell you about the body. And the whoever answered the phone hung up. The police sergeant came and said, we've been told we're not allowed to discuss it with you. We know it's not human. What? And they wouldn't discuss it with me. Now, wouldn't you think... When someone mings and says, I know something about a murder, they'd want to question them. That's crazy. They didn't even want my name. Wow. So then I rang the radio station and asked to speak to the announcer, the radio announcer, because I heard this, I know I heard this, and I know what happened the night before, and I want to get to the bottom of it. And the woman that answered the phone said, hang on, and she got the station manager, who was a man but didn't give his name. I was just told station manager. And he said, um, we've been told to pull the story. We're not allowed to talk about it. And he was shaken. He was clearly shaken. He would not discuss it with me. Wow. He didn't deny it either. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. What happened to precede all that, so we have to go back a step in the story before the UFO was out in my backyard, is that I had um, an implant in my left knee under my left kneecap since I was eight I had a foreign body that kept coming to the surface and getting all pussy and then receding and doctors could never grab it and they would say like just GPs would say oh she's a child she's got a piece of gravel there from a fall or something but I had no memory of a fall and an injury there all right so then um back to the night where the UFO is and I'm, I'm in my mid-30s by now the thing has come to the surface and I've knelt down on the carpet to pick something up and it got caught in the threads on the carpet and ripped out. So here's this implant and it was it looked like, um, it certainly didn't look like a piece of gravel or a piece of glass or anything that could have been a childhood accident. It telescoped in on itself. It was thicker at one end than the other. Uh, it telescoped out to about, I don't know, a centimetre and a half, but it pushed into just a dot, like a millimetre. And I could pull it in and out. If I pulled it with my thumbs on either end, my thumbnails, I could pull the thing in and out. Um, And it kind of looked like quartz, but it wasn't. So I don't know what it was made of, but that's the closest I can give you. So I washed it. Couldn't decide whether to throw it in the bin or put it on the kitchen bench. Thought I'd thrown it out, but then got it out of the bin and put it on the kitchen bench, and the next morning it was gone. So not only that, but I had a sore, itchy spot behind my left ear which is still there to this day, which was the replacement implant. So the reason that Grandpa Graham had come is because my implant had gone haywire with electrical, you know, whatever, interference, gone and I thought, oh, something's going on. And they came down, and then this man was trying to break into my house to kill me. Wow. 
and had he got men, he probably would have killed my children too, I guess. I know I, I now know I was a target, but God, I was a single mother by that stage. And that's it. You just don't know. You just don't no. know. So they killed him. They killed a human. And this is on record somewhere in police files and lasered his body open like they do cows. And apparently there was, according to the radio announcer, no blood anywhere and the organs were gone. And we don't have tools like that. So no wonder the police and the station manager were just shaking and shaken as if they'd been threatened. And I now know that this man was trying to break into my house. So whether Grandpa Graham saw that by accident because my implant came out or whether they're tracking us the whole time and they saw this man trying to break into my house, I don't know. But they killed him. And they killed him to protect me. And I would never kill anyone. I'm a nurse. I save lives. But I'm terribly, terribly grateful. Yeah, that's that's incredible. It's um it's It's huge. It's it's it is. It, it's it's another thing that you've told me that's now blown my mind again, Jane. Yeah, well and you know, and, and one of the one of the stories that I did that the producer, like the studio ten one, she investigated me from every possible angle and she said she couldn't find any black marks against my name. And you know, she she it's all there. Everything I'm saying adds up when I give dates and places. And I, I believe that if I was in probably a high court with barristers and somebody wanted to prove it and they subpoenaed every witness and every piece of documentary information and physical evidence, it could be proven. I can't prove it. I'm just an ordinary person. But it could be proven by the right people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I have no doubt there, Jane. But it's... Uh... It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show again, Jane. It is always so good to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. It's, uh, have we done an hour already? Uh, we have. We have. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely flown by. I think we have to get you on again because it's every time you come on here, my, my mind is constantly blown. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty more, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jane, before I, before I let you go off, where's the best place for people to buy your book? Because um, I don't think we, we spoke about that last time. So if you, uh, if you want to give that Thank book you. a plug, that would be absolutely fantastic. All right. It's called Humalian. It's by Jane E. Pooley. Um, there are since I did mine. There's a couple of other books called Humalian, but mine's the first dated one, and the first copyright. Um, only on Amazon.com. Don't buy third-party comic, uh, copies where they've bought it and then jacked up the price and sold it, because that's I've seen people have come back to me and said, but it says sixty dollars, and I said no, it was eighteen dollars <laughs> um, American dollars. So buy straight from Amazon.com. I will do a Kindle, but I haven't. I haven't yet, so you can only buy hard copies. There's a colour copy for twenty-eight American dollars with coloured illustrations and coloured UFO photos, and then there's a black and white copy called Humalium Two T O on cheaper paper for ten dollars less or eleven dollars less. And um, I'll I'll also include links to all those in the show notes, and um, they'll also be on that that first episode as well because. Um, I, I believe people should be out there reading your story and, um, you know, really learning from a, from a first-hand perspective about these types of things. I think it's very important. Thank you. I think it is too, and that's why, I, as I keep saying, suck it up, even though it's, it takes some courage to speak, um, because I think people do need to know it is going on. Eventually, the truth is going to have to come out. Um, I, I think my theory, just one more thing on 
why governments don't want to disclose what's going on is that it'll be like the pedophilia cases and everybody will be out there going, me too, and want to sue the government for initially allowing humans to be taken in exchange for tech. Oh, absolutely. It'll be the biggest lawsuit in history. Yep. So they have to cover it up, but it's going to come out because there are more and more people like me speaking. I'm not the only one. I mean, you might be speaking to me now, but as I said to you before we were recording, people come to me every week and tell me from all over the world and say, me too. Thank you for speaking out. Me too. So there's obviously a lot more than I could possibly know or that any UFO groups could possibly know. Um, They're out there and the truth is going to come out. And that's right. That's right. Because, you know, I only put a fraction of the people that contact me onto the show because, um, you know, some some people aren't aren't a right fit. Some people just don't even want to come on the show. They just want to reach out and say, hey, I want to let you know that I've also encountered things like this and that person is on a loan. So it's it's just like you said. There's a lot of people out there who are encountering these types of uh, these types of things. Be it UFOs, be it be it Yowies, be it uh, be it demons, oh. spirits. All these types of things are they're happening to a lot more people than a lot of a lot of people realize. They are, and and look, someone from your show, and I'll, I'll shout out to her without giving a name. Um, I now speak to because she was a me too, or something she said on your interview, and I went, oh, is a real one. You just know straight away. She said something about going through the ceiling. I went, <laughs> you can't make that stuff up. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook. And that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe. And you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you